What an eventful race is all I have to say. The Dutch Grand Prix pretty much showed everybody flames. If you look at the first five laps, uh, it was the most fascinating race I've seen in a very long time in Formula One. And that is exactly what we are chatting about today. We're talking Formula One with the team from Track This. Uh, we've got Matthew Kanai, who is joining us, a very familiar voice on um, Track This. He's a professional automotive and lifestyle content creator. We've got Avon Middleton, who's the director and publisher of Top Gear SA, and obviously a motorsport analyst. And a new voice that you've heard on the podcast before, who's coming back for a second time, Chloe Grace. We're very happy to have you with us. She is a complete petrohead, and um, she's also a presenter on Vision View Sports Radio. So, Chloe, welcome. And, guys, welcome. It's so good to have you to discuss the drama and the chaos of the Dutch Grand Prix. Oh, thank you so for having us. I am looking forward to chatting to all of you today. Um, and I think I'm going to start with Avon because Avon, I know you take things and you you really look at it logically and and crisply. And what in the actual F happened in the first five laps of the Dutch Grand Prix? Oh, what a race. Hey? I, I told you the Dutch Grand Prix was going to serve up some good racing and good flames. Um, yeah, it was all chaos, hey? You know, you, you do this hard work in qualifying on Saturday, and then literally on the formation lap, everything you thought was going to be dry, and, you know, you fitted your soft or medium tires, the hard in some cases for Russell, but you you kind of go, uh, what the heck, it's raining. Um, and really, the rain threw up a whole bunch of, of chaos. And I, and I think if you look at the race, I think what happened in the first two laps is really what uh, sort of set the scene for the rest of the race. If you made a bad call in those first two laps, it was win or lose. So there was some heartache for some, and there was some great uh, um, celebration for some. Pierre Gasly, probably the biggest person, uh, you know, the biggest winner, if, that, if we could say that. But really, it was about do we put on lap one? Do we put on lap two? For inters, or do we kind of ride it out? And I think the best call was those who pitted immediately on the first lap, um, because if you pitted any time later, you lost out. Um, I think Perez gained twenty seconds in that, you know, straight after he he put on those inters, mm. and so anyone who didn't do that obviously lost. So that is really where it all happened. And then, of course, <laughs> right at the end, uh, the same thing. But I, I think. Part of the chaos, I, I just felt like uh, a lot of blame has been put on Ferrari's shoulders, particularly, you know, we, we when we see no tyres in the pit lane for Ferrari, I know every single person on this call just went, you have got to be kidding me, not again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right, right. I just laughed. So, and, But I think in this case, I just want to, we have to be fair <laughs> and we have to say this was actually more, in a sense, a Leclerc problem. And, and maybe a bit of bad luck because the truth of the matter is everyone who fitted tires on the first lap, it was a driver's call. The drivers just said, we got a box, we're coming in. And Leclerc did the same thing, except he didn't tell his team, <laughs> you know, certainly didn't tell them on time. I think he said box, box when he was turning into the pit lane. Um, and I looked at it quite in depth and, you know, he was racing at the time. He was really in a fierce battle with uh, Norris. And I, I guess he just forgot that, I need to actually communicate with my team. So I just want to say I'm blaming I'm blaming Leclerc for this one. Um, and that's kind of why that, that mess up happened. I mean, he had a horrid race. But yeah, I think welcome to Zandvoort, old school track. 
And guess what? The old school drivers showed up. That's where, I mean, did you see Alonso? I don't want to talk too much and take too much time, but that's where you saw like race craft, sure. people that just mm -hmm. kept it together and capitalized on every uh, uh, thing that they could. So Avon, there are so many things out of what you just spoke about that I want to pick out. But I think, let me start with Matthew, because I know Matthew is going to be elated. Um, and I actually want to, the, the, shame, you joked about this last week, but <laughs> I am putting a Red Bull question to you again, because the way that every single person in the world, every single person watching a form, that Formula One race was proud of Max. Even me, as not the biggest Max supporter, Getting that nine tights or that nine ninth win in a row is absolutely such a, an amazing performance for him. Look, it's it's a a huge thing to take. I mean, the last time that was done was by Seb in twenty thirteen. Um, so to see a young guy, you know, going for it, it it's just kind of saying to everyone, look, you can say what you want and you can hate him and you can say all that, but. The fact of the matter is it's a huge achievement. You can only achieve that with a good car and with a good team. And there are other teams who have the right car and they have sometimes the right team strategy. So to equal that is, it's incredibly impressive. And uh, leading up to it, when he was on number eight, uh, Seb actually texted uh, Max and said, hey, listen, go for it. I can't wait for you to actually beat this because it's your time. And it just shows, you know, the, the caliber of Seb, but also just, you know, someone like him who is very critical and, and very just, you know, objective of the whole Formula One and driver talent. For him to go out of his way, you know, he could have just kept quiet like some of the other bigs and said, you know what, I'm not going to say anything. But for him to go out of his way and message and to say, hey, look, I know you're going to do it anyway, but well done. Go for it. I'll be happy if you equal it and overtake it. So... It's massive, but again, overshadowed by a lot of other weird things. But if you if you look at it, it was a very impressive thing that he did. Shame, yeah, overshadowed. Shame, but okay. Let's let's go from Red Bull. Let's go into something else that Avon said, and he spoke about the old timers. And I say old timers with a bit of jest, shame, because they're really not old timers. They're the more experienced drivers on the track. Um, but Chloe, what a phenomenal experience! And what a phenomenal um, show of skill from Fernando Alonso. 100% clear. I mean, when we're looking into the overtakes mainly, I think um, last year the most overtakes that we had in Zenboard was about 23. So the fact that it has increased immensely so and uh, overtaken the most overtakes in Formula One, you look at the fact that I think the last overtakes that were quite hefty, about 170, um, it was the 2016 Chinese Grand Prix. So it shows that, yes, Zandvoort um, is a track that, you know, the old timers, um, they, they really like and they've managed to, to handle well. Um, Alonso with 13 overtakes, which is quite impressive. Um, Lewis Hamilton as well, saving Mercedes, my goodness. Um, um, I think your time and <laughs> time of game, uh, Lewis has to save the team. Um, so it's really impressive to see uh, Fernando Alonso. And when you see that smirk in his, in his face, you know that he's going to give you a bit of magic. And that's what he's been giving us this entire weekend. Well, last weekend when he was asked, as to, okay, the upgrades, we see. But are they going to do anything for Aston Martin? And while sure they did, we'd love to say the same for, for Lance, but it's, it's always a different story, ain't it, in the second car. Um, but Fernando showed up, and we definitely love to see that. 
just going to those stats that you were saying, Chloe, I think it's so important that we highlight this. 186 overtakes were done in the Dutch Grand Prix. That is a crazy amount. And I think on television, they only showed about 56 of those overtakes. That is yeah. how crazy and chaotic that race was, Avon. It was, it was absolutely manic. Yeah, look, I think a, a track like Zandvoort is going to do that when you throw in rain. And, and not just rain once or, you know, the, the rain caused havoc in the beginning. The rain caused havoc in the end. But there was also a lot of overtaking on track. And I, and I think we have to commend... The drivers. I mean, let's be honest. Just to keep it on on the tarmac, you know. I know we had two crashes, but you know, I, I think someone like Liam Lawson, someone like Alex Albon, driving on on slicks in the pouring rain, we have to just commend them. So, but you got to know that when you're in those conditions, there are so many opportunities to overtake, and I, and obviously Alonso is the kind of you know, he's the great example. But, you know, Lewis had tons of overtakes. Alex Albon had tons of overtakes. Mm. Norris and Piastri had tons of overtakes. You know, it was just happening everywhere. And and, I, and you're right. You know, when you when you look at the, the feed from, from uh, Formula One, you, you don't see them all and you don't celebrate them all. But, uh, you, you know, drivers earned their money on Sunday. They really, really did. And, and what I loved about Alonso was, he said in in practice, you know, you know that turn three move that he just kept making work. He seemed to be the only driver that could do it. Um, he actually practiced that, you know. He actually looked at it and he went to find grip and he said, "Well, there is grip here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna consider this in the race." And oh, there you go, first lap, Alonso makes up three places. I mean, it's insane, you know. Um, and then he does it again later in the race. So, yeah, I mean, that's unfoot. That's old school tracks for you. That's tracks where you, you make your advantage, you make your luck. Um, there's not enough runoffs to save everybody, um, as Sergeant found out and as George Russell <laughs> almost found out. Um, so, yeah, I, I just absolutely loved it. And I really, I must, I, I just commend these these drivers. I know they're at the top of their game, but this weekend was really tough for everybody. I know, Avon, you mentioned this, and I'm going to, I think I'm going to open this to the floor, but I'm going to start with Matthew on this, okay? Because there's a lot of discussions that need to be had around Ferrari. Now, I know you said that this, or essentially, you know, Charles didn't really communicate with the team. He didn't talk to them properly. But if you look at it strategic-wise, Leclerc kind of made the right call to come in when he did to push for those tires. The fact that the team wasn't ready okay, yeah, cool, we'll, we'll forgive that, kind of. Um, but, you know, they need to start kind of finding something. Something's got to eventually click, right, Matt? Look, it, it does. The, the team is starting to lose a lot of momentum and a lot of confidence, and they're coming across as quite sloppy. Um, look, arguably, the past weekend was one of the most comical starts in F1. Um, all drivers are starting on the try then went on to Inter, and then when they reached Sector 3 on lap one, it just created chaos in the tracks and the pits. And that basically is where essential core team comes into play, where you have to have good strategy and team management, and you have to forecast for scenarios, because they'll always show on the screens the data and the weather. Um, and, and with that, you can make a call saying, okay, if we go to Inter, this is our strat. If it goes to forward, this is our strat. Um, and Ferrari are just, they're really battling with that. I know Leclerc said that was his fault, but I mean, it was just triggered 
all the way from the beginning. He had that crash with um, Joe, and that eventually forced him to lose the the end plate, and then he would retire the car. Um, but again, just putting all faith in one driver and not on the other and making them fight, it's something's got to change. And again, it could come back to the Ferrari curse of team management and them spitting out people and ruining them. But it's all got to be team player. One driver is favoured, sure. But I think for Ferrari to actually come back together, they just have to start by working as a team. If you've got a team like... Uh, and, and credit where it's due, Williams, besides Logan Sargent, you know, Alex Albon had a fantastic race and they're not even at the caliber of a Ferrari, but still they work together as a team and they're able to, you know, they make a couple of blunders. But the thing is working together as a team, just it goes a long way. You don't even have to be the richest or the quickest. So long as you can function as a team and you can say, OK, cool. It's about to rain. What's the call? Not go on the radio and say, what are we doing? What are we doing? Why did you call me in? Oh, it's the wrong tires. Come on. And then you make yourself look like an idiot and a clown. <laughs> it, it also it just it doesn't give confidence at all. So that's why Ferrari had fallen really far back. And the, the confidence is just, it's not there. And you can definitely see it. But also let's, maybe Avon, you can give us some inside information here. Maybe you have the inside track. Why in the world did they not change his front wing whilst he was standing in the pits either? So I think the short answer is they, you know me, I I don't defend Ferrari, okay? I'm happy to criticize them, (laughs) but I I do feel a little bit of empathy this time. I I, I think the short answer is there was just too much chaos and they didn't see the extent of the damage. And so they told him to stay out. Um, the, the, the car actually was a lot more damage than you and I saw on screen. Apparently the floor was actually where the biggest damage was. But when you see the crash, uh, it seemed like a little bit of a tap. It, it certainly didn't seem like this massive shunt that would damage the car. And I think in the chaos of messing up the tires, I think the call was made, listen, just get the right tires on and get him out. We've already lost 14 seconds you know, just get him out onto the track. And and that's possibly the call. I And, and I don't think they even had seen how much damage was, was on the car. I mean, if you look at it, it was basically two corners before the pit lane entry um, that the accident happened. So I just don't think they had the time to look at any data, to look at, you know, I mean, it was wet, so downforce wasn't affected as much. They couldn't see that. So in their defense, I just think it was just, too, it happened too quickly for them to to realize. Um, I just want to say to Matt's point, it was raining on the formation lap, and they should have at least mm-hmm. just said, "Hey, get the inters ready." Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we know we haven't started the race. Yes, we're expecting a very short and sharp shower, but at least just get them ready. That was that's probably the one bit where I'll go, "Okay, Ferrari as a team also messed up." Um, but yeah, it was chaos. I think that was the key word. Let's let's take you know hindsight because it's it's a great fabulous thing after a race, Chloe. Mm-hmm. Let's say, for example, Leclerc did decide to stay out. He did decide to complete that extra lap, give the team enough time to, you know, put everything that they need to put into place, into place, and then come in. How much of a difference do you think that would have made to Leclerc's race? Honestly, I I think this would have made a a big difference for me, right, Korea? I look at the fact that um, I call him now um, a tire whisperer, this being... Um, Alex Albon. I, I think we don't talk too much about what he's doing. 
um, being able to stay that long with the slicks, I think was absolutely phenomenal. So when you, you look into a Ferrari where, as Avon mentioned, I mean, this is, this is a massive team. This is a historic team. So you do expect them to show up a bit better and trying out different things because at the end of the day, Ferrari at this point has, has nothing to lose. This is a season for them that has, you know, been quite the roller coaster, quite high, quite low. Um, where on a Saturday, yes, sure, they do show up, but then on a Sunday, they, they always somehow found wanting. So I think for me, and, and I mean, yes, you look at a color signs, um, who, who fairly saved the team. Um, I think great defending as well against the Lewis Hamilton, uh, when he was like, guys, hang 10 with the radio. I don't need this. Let me just focus on what I got to do. And, and I thought kudos for, for colors there, because, at the end of the day, you have to take things by the horn. You're a driver. So at the end of the day, and, and I was listening to, to Bernie as she was saying that it's as much as, yes, it's a team sport, but you need information as well from the driver. And and I think sometimes that's where, for me, the, the Ferrari drivers, um, they, they lack where I, I don't get much communication from them, where they're expecting um, the pit crew to, to just simply get it, whereas... I mean, even in a normal relationship, we all know you're not going to get something if you don't say something. So you got to say something <laughs> and have the conversation. So I, I think, um, I don't know, that's a skill for me that both drivers really need to work on. And um, possibly um, Charles, Charles kept on going off the track a lot, right? So clearly the confidence wasn't there going into the weekend. So I think that's the other problem where he just didn't want to stay on the slicks because he's just like, no, 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 no. Um, it's just been going absolutely wrong for him the entire weekend. So no confidence, none so ever. So it, it's a lot. As much as, yes, we can say the package is not the best package, but same thing we can say with Mercedes. They don't have the best package, but they're making it work. So I think the confidence is very low, especially with Charlotte Claire. Oh, we've been talking about this all season. <laughs> Something's got to eventually give at, at uh, Ferrari. And I'm going to get into the race as we build up for the Italian Grand Prix. Obviously, we are going to Monza next weekend. We're going to get into a couple of things that they're changing for Monza, which maybe is not the right place to start, but we'll get there. Let's first talk about Liam Lawson. And Matthew, obviously, I'm going to come to you on this one because in our podcast recording, you've actually called yourself Liam Lawson today. <laughs> so give us a little bit of, of background, who you are, what you're doing, and why you deserve to be in a Formula One car. Okay, Liam Lawson. Well, let's start with something that will obviously shock people. He's born in 2002. So if you want to feel very, very old, uh, he's a 2002 what? child. Um, and he's all the way from New Zealand. <laughs> so yes, he's very, very young, but also incredibly talented. He's had a reputation of winning on every debut that he's done, but he's also done very, very well. So he started off in F4 and F3, worked up the ranks and then joined the Toyota Racing Series and joined FIA Formula 3, then F2. And the interesting thing was he in F1, he did his debut at the Belgian Grand Prix F1, which is practice three, where he replaced Pierre Gasly at AlphaTauri, um, and he finished the session in 19th. And then he also drove the first three practice sessions for the weekends in Mexico and Abu Dhabi, where he drove Max Verstappen's car. So he's had kind of some experience, uh, but, you know, obviously he made the super switch uh, to Super Formula, which is supported by Red Bull. 
um, and he's been driving there, currently second in the championship with one race left to go. So he's got some experience behind the wheel, but he hasn't really driven the Alpha Tari. And um, it's actually quite an interesting thing when you look at how it happens. So obviously, Daniel Ricciardo into the wall uh, obviously has very, very... So strange. Yeah, it's, it's very strange. Uh, I mean, obviously, we know in racing, as soon as you're about to go into the wall, don't touch the steering. But we see a lot of the guys touch the steering. Um, and basically, they were just waiting to find out what was going on. So Liam Lawson is the reserve driver. So he will do his duties with Red Bull Racing um, and AlphaTauri to assist any of the teams should they need. So he will attend all the press briefings, all the driver briefings. So 20 minutes after he found out about Ricardo's injury, they wanted to find out, okay, will he be okay to race or will he be given that? So after he found out, look, he's not going to race, he had to basically slot himself in. So he was pulled out straight out of the driver's briefing and he went straight to do his photos to supply for F1. And then from there, he went to put on his suit and he literally was given like a couple of briefs on how to drive the AlphaTauri. And then he went to bed and did some homework. And then in the morning, he literally had to wake up and then do practice three and um, to make sure he was comfortable in the car. So literally, he was going into the weekend as a normal reserve driver do, but um, he had no idea he would actually jump in the car. But yeah, I mean, before we go any further, he's just he's a really good young talent, super young, and he's done well through the ranks of of Formula 4, 3, and 2. Um, so definitely up for the task. Um, a lot better than uh, the previous uh, Dutch driver. So he's, he's done well for himself so far. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's a bit early to make those kind of calls about poor Nick de Vries. But interestingly about Liam, he, he hasn't really shot the lights out in his previous formula. He's not He's not your typical kind of you know, win every championship on your way into Formula One kind of driver. And I'm not, I'm I'm thoroughly impressed with how he conducted himself this past weekend, beating his teammates. Um, but I just think it's interesting, if you look at him just statistically, he hasn't quite shot the lights out. So um, I know it's early days. If you look at someone like Nick de Vries, Nick de Vries is that driver. You know, he's the one that on paper was like, wow, this guy looks amazing. He interviewed really, really well as well. Um, and Liam is kind of the opposite. So I'm really interested to see how he does in Monza. And then, of course, sorry, Kriya, it might even throw a spanner Don't into the works. For Don't, say Don't say it. 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 I'm very upset first that Daniel did something so silly like that and ended up in a wall um, and then breaking his we'll hand see. on top of it, which I, I like I went... I went back and I watched the replays of this accident over and over and over again. Mm. Did I miss something, guys? Did I like how? What how? What did I miss? Okay, so if you watch if you watch the replay, so that goes into a very very high embankment, the most famous one for Zandvoort. So it's quite a harsh left hander. So Joe was in front of him and he was driving. Obviously, misjudged it, went straight into the wall. To go into that corner, if you watch all the replays, the driver would have come from left to right, then left. So for Daniel to execute that maneuver, coming in for the speed that he did, he didn't have enough reaction time to move out of the way of Joe. So the only way he could avoid him is to either, one, break and damage the car, which would cost the team, damage the gearbox, change the front wing. You don't know what that is. 
or drive into Zhou. So the only way he could avoid it, if you watch any of the replays, was to go into the wall. And if you watch it, he was carrying a fair bit of pace. He wasn't, you know, going quite slowly. So Zhou goes into the wall. By the time the team gets into him and says, oh, there's a crash, he's about to make that corner from a left to a right. He had no other way to either cause serious damage because it literally dips to the bottom, then to the top. So you could shoot out and you could go into the barriers, up into the air, which is quite bad. So the only thing in any of his interviews, and he said to his engineers, the only thing was hit Joe, which is dangerous, or crash into the wall. And the wall provides a barrier. And he said, look, that was the best call. And look, he's an F1 driver. He's got better reactions. So he literally did everything he could to move out the way and to not cause anything more serious. And in turn, his reaction kept his hand on the steering wheel. As it hit on, the steering wheel turned, and it basically... Um, hurt his wrist by him holding the steering wheel and it damaging his metacarpal. So it wasn't his fault. He was just doing the best he could. Oh, look at my Daniel Ricardo looking after other people and taking a knock for himself. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> wow. The sarcasm. My gosh. I'm just glad he's okay. And yes, Avon, I will be extremely disappointed if it does put a spanner in the works for his contract for next year, if there is even a contract for next year. I know. Sorry. But let's see what happens. So I was actually thinking about, about Daniel, right? And I don't know if you guys caught the interview where he was like, oh, man, I would love to end my career at Red Bull. I'm away. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Why is Daniel, for me, sounding a tad, just a tad desperate? Like, I'm just like, I don't know if you should be saying that because at the end of the day, he is on trial. So as you know, I love Daniel Korea. You know, I love him. But <laughs> I, I think he needs to, to tone it down a bit. Yes, I get the ambitions and having hopes to, of course, be teammate to Max. But I don't think Max likes him that much also. So I don't know if that's ever going to happen. So... I think for me, Daniel should, I don't know. I don't know. I know he's old, but he should relax about trying to end his career at Red Bull. You know you know why he's becoming desperate, Chloe? It's because Max has been talking to the press about getting Lando Norris as a teammate. Ooh, my goodness. Um, and and they, they're getting along well. <laughs> they are getting along well. Avon, you think it'll be a good pairing or a bad pairing? No, that's just going to end the friendship. <laughs> It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I agree with Matthew. It's also not going to happen. But I promise you, that is the best way to end a friendship. Let's ask uh, Lewis Hamilton and no. Nico Rosberg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's not. They've got they've got friendship. But if you think about it, Lando is pretty much he's got a very solid contract with McLaren, and he's he's doing the best he can. I mean, compared to Piastri, he's probably the best of the two. But also. Lando, when you see how Lando really gets into it, when he tells his engineers to shut up and he makes calls by himself, he's not a team player and he likes to play by his own rules. Now take that personality and put it into the Red Bull seat. So now you're going to have a predicted three-time world champion and someone who's going to be record-breaking. He's not going to be like, yeah, I also don't want to try for that. He's going to go for it. And Max is going to be like, I'm here to win. So you can't put that personality in there unless someone retires from another team Lando's pretty much set at McLaren. And if you look at the order of the grid, I think Lando's in a very, very good, comfortable place. He doesn't have anywhere else to go. Yeah. That's good. Plus, he's already been adopted by Zach Brown anyway. So, like, I mean, same thing. Yeah, hey, let's not talk about Zach. He makes me angry. 
<laughs> okay, let's move on to something that's going to make you smile. And this is because I've seen it all over your social media the last couple of days, Matthew, is <laughs> Ferrari's move to McDonald's. Please explain. Okay, so obviously Ferrari, the only thing they're really good at is um, Lamar and uh, prototype hypercar series. So if anyone has watched any other form of motorsport besides it. Uh, you're saying Ferrari is only good at Le Mans, only in 2023. Yeah, pretty much. They, they pulled a very, very surprising thing in, in those forms of motorsport and in GT3. So Ferrari have created a hypercar for the 24-hour Le Mans this year called the 499P. And they won that actually with a very interesting other driver. Uh, Antonio Giovinazzi actually drove for one of them. So still some F1 ties to it, but that winning car had a special livery that was uh, red, the signature red from Ferrari, but also with a bit of yellow. So for Monza, Ferrari said, well, we're going to put that winning heritage color onto our car and give it a bit of yellow, but also make the driver's suits look the same. And if you have a look, they kind of look like they're employees of good old Ronald McDonald. So if you combine the logo with Ronald McDonald, that's what you get on the car and then. And again, considering how they've been racing, it doesn't really add to the sort of, you know, the, the prestige of Ferrari. It just makes them look like a clown show. So It's a shame, isn't it, Avon? So they didn't get this kind of uh, criticism last year when they did it, because they did do it last year for their 75 yeah. years of, of, of Ferrari. Um and yeah, shame. I just think it's a shame. You know, TikTok can be really brutal sometimes. Um, I just want to say the the red and the yellow also comes from Modena. So um, Ferrari's logo, as you know, is red and yellow, but the yellow mm. comes from Modena's uh, coat of arms. Um, so that's kind of why they did it. And I think they're hoping for that winning, the winning luck from that 499P to come into this year. Um, and listen, I think, I think, for a place like Monza, I think it's cool. I think it's cool uh, if you ignore the McDonald's. Um, <laughs> so oh, so Modena is the home of Ferrari. That's where Enzo Ferrari started up his business, and that's where Ferrari comes from. A beautiful little town in Italy. So yeah, that's where the that's where the company was was founded, and it's still there today. It literally owns the town pretty much. Um, but yeah, that's that's why that's important. It's also a great town if you want to buy balsamic vinegar or Parmesan cheese. Oh, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, Modena is also the home of Parmesan cheese. <laughs> Ooh, you can see the things I'm into. It's only not cheese. Well, it's great. It's great to know that food is the topic of the town, and not that we should go see Ferrari. So it shows just how great they're doing. Again. <laughs> Oh, that's very interesting. Thanks. I'm learning today. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, well, now that I have you guys all here, let's start with predictions because we're already getting into that time. Let's talk. Chloe, give us a synopsis of what you expect from this weekend's race and then give us our, your, our top three predictions. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so the Tifosis. All right, so I'm, I'm hoping for a bit of magic. Um, I mean, we do know that Ferrari as well. We'll be bringing upgrades for this weekend. So I'm hoping that something is going to give. I don't know who between Charles and, and Carlos Sainz. And that's where I was really, you know, in, in the summer break as well. As to how do I separate the two? Yes, as much as Charles has given them a podium, but he's not too far off from, from Carlos Sainz. So um, it could come from either or it could be a Sainz. So I'd give Sainz um, or Charles P3, nothing further. Um, and then when you look into somebody else is bringing upgrades, um, we heard Mike Crack saying that, yeah, we, we're looking to 
um, you know, bring a new package. We, we're looking into, of course, um, that lower downforce package that will help them perhaps also change the floor a bit. So maybe that will help them in the temple of speed. So I'm thinking definitely Fernando Alonso will be on the podium, which which I don't know where that puts Lewis Hamilton because I was hoping Lewis Hamilton will be able to get to the podium because they also have um, a, a bit of upgrades that we're expecting to come this weekend. Um, but I think the conversation about P1, it, it's done. It, it's a wrap. Uh, unfortunately, um, Max Verstappen, I mean, we've thrown everything at Max. At this point, I, I don't think that there's nothing Max cannot do. You give him rain, the man will shine. You, you give him anything, reliability issue, um, a teammate that's on top of him, and the, the team will turn it around and Max will be on top again. So I, I think Max will definitely be on top yet again. And I guess he will break the curse, right? Remember there's that curse that's been going on at Monza where if you win, then the following year, it doesn't really go well for you. Um, if you remember the same thing, I think the same thing happened with Pierre Gasly, wins um, 2020, 2021, DNF, um, Daniel Ricciardo, 2021, wins it, 2022, DNF, Charles, 2019, wins it, 2020, DNF. So who's going to break the curse? Max Verstappen will continue. <laughs> Yvonne, I, th I think um, your response is very apt because we all know he's going to break that curse. Yeah, just ask the question. What records are Max, is Max going to break this year? Whatever is up for the taking. Mm. Um, yeah. So, sorry, Chloe, what's, so the, what's the top three? Max? Yes. And then? Max, uh, P1, P2, I'm giving it to Fernando Alonso. And then third, any Ferrari driver can take it, but it has to be a Ferrari driver. I don't know how that's going to happen, but if they light up a few candles, have a lot of cheese, I don't know, dress up something, <laughs> that could help them. <laughs> just for the record, before we go into the boys' predictions, I just want to say that um, Matthew and Avon, all three of us were horribly off this weekend. I know. Yeah, we were. In our defense, though, I mean, it was raining twice. I mean, come on. It was just chaos. Avon, let's start with you. What are your predictions for this weekend? All right. So I think um, Mercedes upgrades are going to come to the fore. So I'm going Max P1, Lewis P2, George Russell P3. Sheesh. Wow. I know. I know. Look, I think they were really quick when they were actually okay on Sunday, this past Sunday, particularly in Lewis's hands. And Lewis generally goes well at, at Monza. Um, I know last year he started right at the back, but he, he I think he's pretty handy there. And I think, um, yeah, I think really the dominant teams are going to be Red Bull and Mercedes. So good luck to Ferrari. I think it'll be very special for them, but I, I don't think they have it um, in them. I'm, I'm shocked. I don't even know how to, how to come back. Matthew, maybe you give your predictions and then I'll have something to say. Oh, well, I think... Max is going to go for win number 10 because then he can be the all-time. And I think Red Bull's dominance for finishing again, I think they want to just extend that. Um, so I'm going to put Max at P1. Uh, Sergio's done very well. I think people are giving Sergio a very, very, very hard time. Um, I, look, his situation for next year is very clear and he's done a good job. He's also second in the world championship and the only other driver than Max to have won Grand Prix this year. So I think it's easy to beat him up, um, you know, when the bar is set so high. So I'm going to put him at second. But interestingly enough, it is the Temple of Speed. It's very nice and toasty, but 50% chance of predicted rain on Sunday. 
And as we know, the McLarens, they really, really suck in heat. So I'm going to drop them down. But if there's a chance for Inters on Sunday, then I'm going to put a cheeky Lando Norris as P3. And I'm going to put Hamilton P4 with Piastri P5. Because I feel like whatever's going on, we are starting to see it. Whenever Lewis Hamilton comes up behind his lovely teammate, then we all of a sudden see George trying to prove that he's the better driver instead of letting the faster teammate go. So I don't have high hopes for the two Mercedes. Um, you know, Lewis, they asked him, you know, what's up? And he was just like, ah, it is what it is. And he said a couple of tasty words. So I just think they're just focusing on getting some straight line speed. So I think it'll be Max and then I'll put a good old Sergio P2, P3. I'll put Norris. Then I'm going to, interestingly enough, put Albon also in my top 10 as well because he's been doing very well. <laughs> my goodness Matthew gracious. Matthew just gives you the whole, the whole rundown. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Again, Matthew, so what's it? It's Max, Perez, and then... Norris. Yes, Max Perez, Norris, and then I'm going to put Hamilton, and then I'll put Piastri, and then good old uh, okay, stop, stop. T-Boy. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got Max, Alonso, Leclerc, is that right? Yes, all signs. Any Ferrari driver. Okay, got it. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna go a little bit close to Chloe on this one. I think I'm going to go Max, Fernando, and Lewis. Ooh. The world champions. Not bad. I think it's a great, it'll be a great podium, guys. Again, yeah. Well, I know I didn't put uh, <laughs> good old Fernando there, but I think he's got a chance in for, for P5. But that car also just needs some serious tweaking. And if they are going to bring some upgrades and stuff to that, they've got to make it work. Um, so unless he's willing to take the risk, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's an up in the air thing. That's why I didn't really confidently put him up there. I need to see how he performs for practices. But I think you'll definitely be there in the top five, if not P4 for me. Wait, Matt, are we going to actually have a new practice session? You know, I hate the ATA system. I don't know how you feel about it, guys, because it's just like, it's it's ridiculous. Look, I think, I, I don't know, maybe, okay, maybe to explain to everyone, maybe you can let them know what the ATA system is. So I actually listened to your previous podcast and I remember you broke it down very nicely um where basically we're moving from okay you're not having the 13 tires and then you've got 11 tires because we're all trying to save the world and we're you know trying to play our part um environmentally so right as 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 a sport which is all good and well but i think for me um i i stick more with the geezers um in lewis hamilton and fernando who've gone on to say i mean you buy a ticket and you have us watching at home and and you're expecting to see um cars running but now because you have to save tires you can't risk you know using your tires and now you gotta just sit and watch it out and you're chilling on track which that's the part that i don't really like then you might as well can the entire practice session because nobody's gonna go out because they're trying to save their slicks unless like the hungara ring we got a bit of rain then you can use the wet and the intermediate so that's my 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 biggest problem um, with this ATA system. Yeah, I, I, I totally get it. It's just, it, it's so they'll only get 11 sets with three hards, four mediums, four softs. So one has to be returned after FP1, another after FP2, and then two more after FP3. So you get certain tires and also with predicted rain for Sunday, that's why I can't really say what's going to happen because if rain chucks in, no one would have run the inters and their strategy would just 
go down a drain. So it, it's it's a weird one this weekend for me. All I can say is that I am highly confused as to who's going with who is a driver in their top three. And I feel like we're back into the first five laps of the Dutch Grand Prix again. Yeah, sounds like it. Chaos, chaos, people, chaos. That's what we like. <laughs> if it's not crashes, we like chaos. I'm just going to say in Formula One, anything can happen and it usually does. Jens and Chloe, thank you so much for joining me. It has been 40 minutes of absolute chaos <laughs> as well. And we love it. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Take care, guys. Alrighty, may the best win.